Welcome to the We Talk Health podcast, the official podcast for West Tennessee Healthcare. Please be advised that this podcast is not intended to replace any medical advice. Always follow your medical professional's advice and direction. Nothing said in this podcast is intended to supersede or supplement the direction of your medical caretakers. If you have any questions, please reach out to us at wetalkhealthpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer any questions you may have. Welcome to another episode of We Talk Health. My name is Will Castro, and today I've got with me Christy Riddle and Regina Smith. Christy is a nurse practitioner for West Tennessee Neurosciences, and Regina is the Senior Services Manager of Senior Services. And today we're going to be talking all about Alzheimer's, what the disease is, what it looks like if you've been diagnosed with it, and how West Tennessee Healthcare Senior Services can benefit you or help you if you have that diagnosis. How are you guys today? We are great. Good. Thanks for coming on today. I appreciate you letting me come in and set up and talking about this really difficult topic that people need to understand. So, Regina, what specifically are we going to talk about? We're going to talk a little bit about Alzheimer's disease, how West Tennessee Neuroscience can help you as you are getting that diagnosis and okay. care for your loved one, and then what we can do in senior services to help you along the way. It's a journey, Alzheimer's disease, yeah. and, and we are here to help families as they care for their loved ones throughout this journey. Perfect. I want to let you know that right now in Tennessee, there are approximately 120,000 Tennesseans living with Alzheimer's disease and other dementias. And Alzheimer's disease is the fifth leading cause of death in Tennessee. And Tennessee actually has the fourth highest Alzheimer's death rate in the nation. Wow. So we know that it's time for our community to step forth in helping our families. Yeah, absolutely. West NC Neuroscience does a wonderful job. They support us in so many ways. Their staff is wonderful. Their physicians, nurse practitioners, uh, and all their staff is great with dealing with families as they are seeking the diagnosis and then care in the days to come. So Christy Riddle is here today and I wanted Christy just to let us know a little bit about the disease in general okay. and what can we expect if we have someone in our family that we suspect that perhaps they are dealing with some dementias. Hello, I'm Christy Riddle. I'm a nurse practitioner that works at West Tennessee Neuroscience. I have been with this group for about 11 years. Even prior to that, as a registered nurse, I worked at Jackson General on the neurology floor. So I've had many years working with neurology patients. So just a little bit of information on dementia. Let's talk about dementia and what that means exactly. Dementia is really just a description of the symptoms of patients having a decline with their memory, their reasoning, their thinking. Often we get asked the question, what is the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's? So dementia is just a broad word that lots of different dementias fall under. Alzheimer's is by far the most common form of a dementia. Probably 60 to 80% of cases are Alzheimer's. In fact, there are other kinds of dementia, but Alzheimer's, as mentioned, is by far the most common. Some of the most common and earliest seen symptoms are memory loss. Patients will start to notice or their family members will start to notice some memory trouble. And often it goes undiagnosed for years because patients and caregivers just assume it's just normal aging and we're just getting older. But as the memory begins to fade, they often start having trouble with reasoning and thinking. They have impulsive thinking. 
buying things often, um, spending lots of money, paying bills more than once, or forgetting to pay their bills. Sometimes they have very impaired judgment and poor thinking. Their moods change. Sometimes they might feel lost or disoriented in even familiar places. Often they will replace words. They'll call the microwave that thingamajiggy, or they will often say things like, the wishy washer for the washing machine or just various things. They replace words that they have forgotten. Patients often have a really hard time discerning short-term and long-term memories. Short-term memories are often not stored well at all. The part of the brain that stores the memory does not have time to store the short-term memory, whereas the long-term memories have been there for a long time, so often they're easier to recall those information and those memories. You also have to remember that short-term memories do not have as much emotion attached to them, so therefore they don't remember that as well as they did a long-term memory, such as a wedding or graduation or things in the past that maybe have more emotion attached to them. The memory part of the brain is often the first part of the brain that is attacked from this Alzheimer's, so it is often more difficult for them to retrieve information from that storage bank. So Christy, if I misplace my car keys and I just cannot remember where I put them, or if I see you on the street and your name just does not come to me, is that reason for concern? It could be in the very early stages of of a dementia. There are seven stages of dementia. We typically use the Riseberg scale, and that involves, as mentioned, seven stages. So it could be very early on. It could just be some normal aging or what we call some mild cognitive impairment, which is, is normal. We are all going to lose some memory as we age. I don't know that I honestly would be very concerned about that at that moment, but if that continues and you start losing other memories or other things begin to happen, then yes, the earlier the diagnosis is made, the better. And if I suspect that either I or a family member have problems and I come to you all, what are you going to do to diagnose? Well, you would be evaluated by one of the neurologists. We have five neurologists or one of the nurse practitioners. We have three nurse practitioners. So you would be evaluated by one of us. A very thorough history would be taken from the patient as well as the caregiver. The caregiver's information is very valuable because they often see things that the patient has not noticed. You would then most likely be scheduled for an MRI of the brain. We would do blood work and you would see either Dr. Blair or Dr. Anton. Those are psychologists that we have that do memory testing. It's memory, reasoning, thinking, cognition. Once you had all those tests done, we would get back together. We would review all of those things and discuss whether or not this was just normal aging or if it is something more such as a dementia and if so, what kind of dementia that is. And then what would our treatments be and what could we expect in the days to come? If the diagnosis of dementia is made, again, we would try to determine which type of dementia this is. Vascular dementia is another type that is pretty prevalent and that is often related to previous strokes that a patient might have had, which would be evident on an MRI of the brain. So we would obviously want to look at that and try to control risk factors for stroke. Patients would be started on memory medications. While none of the memory medications 
reverse this or stop this. There are many studies that have been done that show that the memory medications do, in fact, slow the disease progression for most patients. There are no medications to stop dementia or prevent it. We ask patients to stay physically busy. Often these patients are typically, they're 65 or older. A lot of them have retired. They're not physical anymore. Um, So we encourage physical activity as well as mental activity. Staying busy with your brain, games, puzzles, coloring. Adult coloring is very popular right now. We encourage outings for patients, traveling in the early stages if that is still possible, just trying to stay busy mentally and physically. A good diet, a very healthy diet is important as well. We often recommend the Mediterranean diet, which is fish, chicken, fruits, nuts, berries, just a healthier way of eating and just trying to stay busy. There are lots of support group meetings and other resources that we offer for the caretaker. So we always make sure that they leave our office with information because it is a tough job for the caretaker. And how quickly does this disease progress? It's different for every patient. The first few stages, a patient in the very beginning stages may stay in those stages for two to three years, and then they may move on to the the middle stages of the disease, which often is a longer. It can be up to 10 years that they stay in that, that moderate stage. Once they're severely progressed, that is often only a couple of years, and that would be where they are pretty much bed bound. They're not speaking anymore. They're needing total care for everything. On another subject, my mother had Alzheimer's disease, and that is of concern to our family uh, as well. Can you talk a little bit about genetics? Sure. Often patients and caregivers want to know about genetics. There are a lot of things being studied right now on Alzheimer's. We're not exactly sure that it has any genetic component at all. We do think that the earlier patients are diagnosed that they may carry a gene that is genetically carried on, but we again don't know that for a fact. There are lots of studies being done, but in fact a lot of it is not genetic as far as the studies have shown at this point. Do we have any ongoing studies here at West Tennessee Neuroscience? We do not as of now. I see a lot of caregivers. Sometimes the caregiver physically goes down quicker, faster than uh, the one who has been diagnosed with dementia. Can you talk a little bit about caregiver stress and some of the warning signs and some of the ways that we might avoid that? Sure. The caregiver job is very, very difficult. I often tell the caregiver that the caregiver role is much more difficult than the patient role. The caregivers have to have lots of patience and lots of energy, really, because mentally it takes a lot of energy to listen to the same question over and over or to repeat the same answer over and over. Uh, Once the patient is advanced, then the caregiver's role becomes more physical, where they're helping the patient with their meals, with their bathing, their dressing. So the caregiver role is is very difficult. I try to stress to caregivers the importance of taking care of themselves, making sure that they have someone that they can at least depend on so they can get out of the house for a little while, even if it's just to go to the grocery store by themselves. Um, They've got to have somebody that they can depend on where they can get out of the house themselves. 
Often depression becomes a big issue with the caregivers because they are isolated from their friends and their family because now they're having to take care of the patient and so they're having to step out of their normal life as well. So often depression is something that's very concerning for the caregiver and often they don't recognize it because they're just in their role as a caregiver and they just do the same thing over and over. So I try to ask the caregiver how they're doing, if they're able to step away, and do they have some help. You know, there's also a certain stigma attached to Alzheimer's disease and other dementias, and I've seen caregivers try to hide what they're going through at home, and that's something that's very important that perhaps that they are willing to share, and as professionals that you all let them know that it's okay for things not to be, that that's just a part of this. One thing that I heard Tipa Snow, who you know that we've had here for several years, she says those who are in the world of dementia cannot leave that world. So we have to find ways to enter their world and help them. And that may be like where you hear the continual questions over and over and over again. You have to realize that it's not them, that it is the dementia speaking and they can't help it. So right. we have to find ways, whether it be leaving the room and coming back in mm-hmm. or, or whatever, to help them through that time of confusion, which is basically what they're going through. And often, uh, one of the things I try to tell caretakers as well is it's human nature to want to correct someone if they're wrong. We are living this right now with my mother-in-law, and it's, again, human nature. She often tells us that she knows Elvis. And we don't correct her. She didn't know Elvis, but she will tell you an elaborate story about knowing Elvis. But you you just have to go along with it. And textbooks don't tell you. Textbooks would tell you to reorient the patient and to, to make it all better for them. But in reality, it's almost like you have to pick your battles. If she wants to talk about a particular subject and it's okay, it's not harming her, just go along with it and that's sometimes hard for caretakers because they want to correct and all that does is create an argument with the patient and again like you said it's the dementia talking it's not the patient really talking they can't reason through that so I often am telling caretakers just don't argue just go along with it if mom says there are bugs crawling on the wall just try to reassure mom you're going to get the bugs off the wall rather than telling mom there are no bugs on the wall and arguing with her. You just try to go along with it within reason. Now, obviously, if she's mom's walking out in the road, you're not going to let her walk in the road. But if it's something as simple as that you can just go along with it, just just go along. You have to pick your battles. If mom doesn't want to take a shower for three days, and her hair's a mess, that's okay. If you have to go to the store and you're embarrassed because mom's hair's a mess, no one knows the life that you're living in dementia. So you just pick your battles and you go on. That is so true. That's great. Uh, One thing that has interested me is I hear about a lot of times we will have some of our seniors lost and they're going home where they may say, you may have them at home with the home they're living in now, but they say, no, I need to go home. I need to go Mm -hmm. home. And I've learned that they're wanting to go to their childhood home a lot of times. 
So one of the things that I've learned through some training is if you just sit down with them and say, tell me a little bit about your childhood home to kind of redirect that attention of trying to get there, but instead tell me a little bit about it and, and let's discuss that. But why are they wanting to do that? I know you touched on that just a little bit, but is that normal that they want to go back to their childhood home? It's often, it, well, it's normal for them to, I say normal, nothing's normal about Alzheimer's, but they often remember those things because those things had meaning. All of those old memories had a lot of meaning attached to it. Their current house, things that are just recently stored, they're not attached to that. So often they will remember their childhood or remember mom or dad, and they'll start talking about all of that again. And you're right. I mean, if you can just get them to talk about it, if that's a happy place for them, just let them talk about it. There's no harm in that. I thought it was great that you talked about the caregiver and People mm-hmm. even in my family in the past, they've had Alzheimer's and like, say my aunt, she would go help out. And even for the caregiver, it's just so much more, you know, in addition to if they have kids or if they're, you know, working or if they're mm-hmm. going back to school or, you know, insert activity here. Oh, yeah. Just combining all that with now I have to take care of mom or now I have to take care of dad or grandma or something. It's yeah. The caregiver role is much more difficult than the patient. It changes your whole world. Hats off to them for sure. Christy, you want to tell me a little bit about the final stage? So the final stage can last anywhere from one to three years. And by this point, the patient is is typically bed-bound or wheelchair-bound. Um, they're needing total care with all of their, their daily activities. Often they don't choose to eat anymore. It's a chore just to get them to eat. They often, as mentioned, need lots of help with things. Sometimes those patients are able to remain in the home with a caregiver. Often they need more care than the caregiver can provide at that time, so they're moved to different facilities. That may be the hardest stage because they're no longer able to communicate at all. They say very little at that point, and the caregiver is is providing all the care at that point. A reason why Alzheimer's disease is called the long goodbye. Within the Senior Services Department of West Tennessee Healthcare, we offer many different resources for those families who are experiencing Alzheimer's disease and other dementias. We have a resource center housed in our department. Oh, great. It's at 805 North Parkway. We have the Pat Summit Resource Center. Pat Summit, many people know, uh, was the famous basketball coach at the University of Tennessee. She was incredible. And she passed away several years ago after suffering with Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. So her foundation awarded us a grant to set up this resource center. We have lots of books, tapes, information that you can use, support. We have someone there that can talk to you, give you information. Right now, we are mailing a lot of things out, so we'll be glad to get you some things in the mail that will help you as you go through the different stages of the disease. We also are making identification cards. A lot of people wonder with Alzheimer's disease. In fact, six out of 10 people with dementia will wonder. Wow. So we want to be sure that they have some type of identification on them with a picture of mm-hmm. themselves, the current picture, and contact information to get in touch with you in case that they are found somewhere outside your home yeah. and need some help. So we're really glad to be doing that. And we can do that by either bringing them to the center to take a picture, or you can even email us 
a current picture of your loved one, and we'll be glad to set that card up and mail it back out to you. Something very important to us. Yeah, perfect. There's a book called The 36-Hour Day. We call that the Alzheimer's Bible. We have those available in our resource center as well. We also have two support groups that meet within our system. Okay. One here at the Jackson-Madison County General Hospital meets on the first Thursday evening of each month. We hope to begin those in-person meetings back in August. In the meantime, we have had conference calls, and we've been able to keep in touch with our members of the support group. We're just there to learn more about the disease and also share what we're going through. Now, these meetings, are they for caregivers? Caregivers. For caregivers? Yes, okay. caregivers. There's also a group that meets in Bolivar, at Bolivar General, on the second Monday of each month at okay. 530. So you can call Bolivar General for more information on that and speak to Sarah Skinner, or you can call the Senior Services Office at Jackson-Madison County General Hospital. Do you know that number off the top of your head? 541-8757. Okay. We also have just been awarded one of four pilot programs called the Dementia Friendly Community in Tennessee. We will be going out in our community to prepare our community members to accept and support families who are experiencing Alzheimer's disease. Okay. We will be doing that through working with local business owners and their employees, the faith-based community, churches. We want to get them involved in preparing for their members as they come to them and want to stay active throughout the disease. First responders. That's very important. Sure, when you go out on an emergency call or even uh, the police department, they need to be able to recognize the signs of dementia, Alzheimer's disease, and be able to help those people as well. And then when we come to our emergency department, we want that to be welcoming and soothing mm-hmm. for those with Alzheimer's disease. So we're going to be working with, with that group to develop some things to the dementia-friendly community grant. We're really excited about that. Yeah, congrats. We also have a conference every year. We've been having for uh, the past 10 years with Tifa Snow, who is uh, world-renowned. She comes to us from North Carolina with just a wealth of information. So we have that every year. We have a program called the Dementia Experience. It allows participants to enter the world of dementia. They have a simulation of the symptoms and what a person with Alzheimer's disease might go through each day. Interesting. Uh, We also are really excited about a brand new publication that we've just put together. It is Alzheimer's 101, a resource guide for families and caregivers. It's a collection of articles and information at one place for you to get information. So uh, it goes through the diagnosis stages, caregiving, legal and financial information, preparing your home for Alzheimer's disease, a lot of great information there. And uh, we're really excited to get that out into our community. If I was interested in getting one of those, where who would I contact? How you need I... to call the Senior Services Department, again, 731-541-8757. Okay. Or you can email me, regina.smith at wth.org. Awesome. If you have any more questions about what you've heard today about Alzheimer's disease, you can click the link that's going to be in the description of the podcast. It'll take you to the Senior Services page on West Tennessee Healthcare's website. And any contact information you might need is going to be on that page as well. Thank you guys so much today for coming in and letting me record this with you. Uh, I think it's a wealth of information that the community is going to greatly benefit from. So thanks so much for, for allowing us to do this. Thank you for inviting us. Absolutely. And this has been another episode of We Talk Health.